Welcome to Talk South Asian to Me. My name is Michelle. And my name is Anusha. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central and hear us react to each other's stories about mental health and growing up in different South Asian households. And remember, this podcast is not therapy. Engage with what feels entertaining and resonates with you and leave what doesn't. Okay, shall we get started on today's topic? Yes. <laughs> interesting so, topic. <laughs> yeah, today is F and we have chosen F for family over friends. AKA Ooh. family is forever, friends are temporary. <laughs> yes. So this is a big topic, you know, it's very very common to hear this. At mm-hmm. least it was For me growing up and I imagine for a lot of people too, this value of um, value and priority of having more family time and more importance Mm -hmm. and prioritization for family time over time for friends. And a lot of the justification was exactly that, you know, like family is forever. Friends, they come and go. They're temporary. They're like clouds. They come and go as they please. And it's like, okay. Very, very uh, strong opinion there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it is. But today, I also I don't have any um, research or data or any background on it. So today, it's going to be all about diving into our stories, and that's okay. This is I feel like this topic is still pretty like you know new. Might not have a lot of research. It's very focused. Yeah. On like maybe the South Asian experience, which is a narrow population. So yeah. I wasn't surprised, you know, when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a very particular, very specific, very nuanced kind of topic. It's not really a general topic. So that's okay. No, but no it's uh, relevant. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's relevant and we have a lot to say on it. So it's fine if we don't have data today. We'll just dive right yes. in. <laughs> Let's dive in. Let's dive in. So this was something, you know, like I've heard all the time growing up. Family is important. Family is always here for you at the end of the day. Friends are temporary. Friends come and go. Friends Mm -hmm. are like passing clouds. Like just a lot of this idea that friendships aren't as important. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I grew up hearing that a lot and like, um, You know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Primarily, the way that I've internalized it or the way that I've understood it is Mm -hmm. a lot of our stories, right? Especially if we're talking about um, parent generation who have come from, you know, like back home, right? South Asian countries Mm -hmm. over to America or like a different country. You tend to leave some of your friends behind. Yeah. And then you go one of two ways. You either make friendships and then you really hone yourself in in those friendships or more often than not, you want to cling on more to your family. Mm -hmm. So our family was, I guess we could say fortunate, you know, enough to have a lot of family here, not early on when I was growing up, but like more so as we were getting settled in more recently. Mm -hmm. So this has been like hyped up even more um in recent years because there's just so much more time with family more availability more opportunities that it's like 
the family like we got to spend family time weekends are to like spend time with family you see your friends on the weekdays you don't need to see them on the weekends too Mm. that was like a big thing growing up and you know as you can imagine right growing up when you're already kind of straddling two different cultures and you already feel like you don't quite fit in like that can be a really hard thing to feel even more alienated and isolated by not going out on the weekends for sleepovers or not being able to go out I don't know for like ice cream silly things you know yeah basically not getting to spend time outside of school it can kind of hold you back from really feeling like you fit in even more. So that gap kind of always exists. Um, and I remember way, way back, like I, I think I remember this as far back as like elementary school even. I remember something that my mom used to say. She used to say like, don't even let the, like don't even let the questions come to me. Like you manage your friends, you know, cause like if your friends are like, hey, do you want to go hang out at, I don't know, the ice cream shop. I don't remember what we used to do. Do you want to go hang out at the trampoline park? Whatever it was. I wasn't like I the expectation that was explicitly told to me was like, don't even come and ask me. The answer is going to be no. You're not going to spend time with your friends outside of school. We're going to do something as a family. We're going to go meet your aunts. We're going to meet your uncles. We're going to meet your cousins. We're going to do something just as, you know, the three of us, mom, dad, you. Family. Family. Exactly. And so Mm. (laughs) that was like a big thing. And like often I I didn't because I I did know like mom would just be like, no, she'd be disappointed. I didn't want to disappoint her. I didn't want to. Again, this was like my responsibility. I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable or in the position to say no. Mm. So it was like an expectation. Yeah, especially because it didn't really align. I didn't want that. Mom wanted that. But that that's kind of the rhetoric of like, don't even let it come to me. You know, I'm going to say no. You manage your friends. You tell them. You make up an excuse. You figure it out. You deal with it. And I did for a really long time until like, I don't know, late middle school, high school when I was like, no, like enough's enough. I really want to do something. Friends became more important, more like integral, particularly because, you know, when I was younger, I was like changing schools every year. But once I finally had a chance to, like, set roots, I was like, no, I really want to make these friends. And I want to, like, do things outside. So I I would bring them home. Yeah. A very fair fair ask for a child. (laughs) So I would bring it home anyway. And I'd be like, yeah, mom, I I try to say no, but, like, this is really important to this person. Can I please, like, you know, trying to find ways to, like, still not, like, make it about me, but make it about somebody else. And it. Half of the time, more often than not, didn't really work, but sometimes it did, especially as I got older and I, you know, I think I really, really wanted it. And I don't know, maybe I even cried a couple times. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. essentially, you know, just kind of the dynamics so like slowly, a little bit sort of changed, but still the value, the emphasis and priority was still family. If it was yeah. convenient for the family, then sure, you can go. <laughs> Mm. you know so it was still put that like is it convenient is it you know does it go by their schedule you're not missing anything that's happening with the family exactly the priority was still there but there was a little bit more allowance and you know now looking back on it like I, I do get that perhaps a piece of that was like a safety thing they're new in this country they're raising a girl 
it's a scary world out there. They might not know who I'm meeting, who I'm going to be around. So, like, I get it from a safety perspective. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to a certain degree. But, you know, from another perspective, it's like, well, scariness and, you know, issues always exist. And I think, like, you know, things like this, doing, being around and spending time with same age peers, whether it's, like, through play days or at school or whatever it is, is essential for the social development of children, too. A hundred percent. I was waiting for you to say that because this is, like, your forte, (laughs) child development. But, like, it's so true, you know, that you – that's essential. How does a child learn how to be socially equipped, you know, and – in, to to be in different social encounters when they're older, right? By doing, yeah. by being part of those social encounters. Yeah. That's how children learn. Exactly. Hands on. Being in the moment. Absolutely. Being in that, being in that, having that experience. Mm-hmm. And when you take that away, you know, you now I wonder like if that's related, if there's research out there, if there's a connection between like social anxiety mm-hmm. and, you know, South Asians or whatever it is, right? Like I wonder if there is a connection because yeah. – if you're shielded from being around peers that are maybe maybe they trust a little bit more of like like other South Asian peers, but maybe mm. still that doesn't teach yeah. the child diversity. That doesn't teach the child like, yeah. oh, there's other people that might not look like you that can be your friends that you can trust. Right. Exactly. No, exactly. And that's a really good point that you brought up. Like, I wonder if there is a connection between like social anxiety yeah. and like or just like any other effects, you know, whether it be not having the opportunity to not people please in these like peer settings or like whatever it is. I, I wonder like what is the outcome? Effects. Yeah. What are yeah. Effects? What are the effects of these? So like you, you know, said, there's not situations. much research, but maybe there is a research study that's currently happening that we don't know about. <laughs> but right. And if not, I mean, PSA, this needs to be researched because that's a pretty cool <laughs> yeah. topic. Exactly. Like it's, you know, science shows that same age peers need to interact to develop social. Oh, yeah. You get so much too. I mean, not only like social cues and like all of that, but you build empathy through that. You build mm-hmm. trust through that. You build so many essential important things that you'll lack if you don't really get that opportunity. I'm sure you'll get it in other ways, but Maybe not to the same degree, right? Not to the yeah. same kind of level of trust built within peers, the same level mm-hmm. of comfort and ability to be authentic, ability to even experience hardship. I mean, by no means. Middle school was a difficult time, I'm sure, for everybody, okay? Also, nobody wants to remember that, Anisha. <laughs> nobody does. Nobody. I'm not even talking about it. <laughs> But you're so, right. It was not a fun time. <laughs> no, but at the same time, most of us, and I don't want to generalize too much, but most of us, we've learned a little something about ourselves through that mm-hmm. very difficult time in our lives. And we've yeah. hopefully learned how to be a little bit more authentic, even if we didn't feel we could back then, right? Mm-hmm. So, exactly. but all those things only happen with that exposure to your peers. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, yeah, so some of the other things, you know, this kind of came out in this priority of like family over friends and everything was I, (laughs) this is going to, like, I I will still point this out to my mom to this day. 
I wasn't allowed to do sleepovers. And that was like a big yeah. thing back in the day, right? Like yeah. 90s sleepovers were a huge thing. Okay. They were a huge mm-hmm. deal. I wasn't allowed to do sleepovers. Sleepovers for me were like with my cousins at my house, maybe at theirs. That's fine. Yeah. And other than that, it was, you can see them for as long as you want. And then we can just come home. <laughs> Back home. Yeah. I'm 100% with you on that. Yeah. And like, again, I get it. Exactly. And again, I I do get it from a safety perspective. They don't know their parents. They don't really know these girls. They don't really know, like, what about their siblings? What are their siblings, right? Like, you know, and scary world. I get it. But for a child's perspective or teenager's perspective, it just feels like more ammunition of, ah, nobody gets me. Yeah. You know, it really creates a little bit of that friction. And being mm-hmm. so young and being rejected and not really understanding why you can't do that is also frustrating. Yeah. Like Very. I remember being told no too for yeah. sleepovers. And at that – like now I understand why my mom was saying no because of the safety yeah. perspective concern. But at that, you know, when I was in middle school, high school, I didn't Yeah, you don't really that. know. You don't really all even care even like, if you did oh. know. Yeah. Like all I thought was like, oh, like my mom doesn't want, want – yeah. Like, doesn't listen to me or doesn't no, she doesn't like, get me. I didn't think that far yeah. right like abstractly exactly. like why is she saying that I was just like she's saying no and that sucks yeah and to be fair like my parents did explain to me once I think because I kept saying like why can I never do these things like yeah. I think in once or twice they might have explained like it's a safety thing mm. it's a safety thing but at that age like you don't really you can't really wrap your head around like, but is it that big of a deal, the safety thing? Yeah. It's not until you grow up a little bit more and you really see a little bit more of the, the scarier of the side of the world mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, yeah, no, it could turn bad pretty quick. So yeah. to be fair, I get it. But going through it, definitely hard stuff. And, For sure. you know, I think it it also adds to this idea that, you know, do you know what parentification is, Michelle? No, I do not. So, and I didn't realize this is the word, actually, that this is what it was called. I recently learned it. So, parentification is like when a child is made to act mm-hmm. and take on the responsibilities of a parent, a parent, an adult, okay. exactly, when they're really just a child. For example, like, it's a very common thing I hear in um, our kind of communities and our cultures, the idea of sharing with your children any like spousal disagreements because we don't take that outside right we don't ask for help seek help we don't share that with Mm -hmm. friends usually at least previous generation they kept it within the family so sometimes that would fall on the child to hear and the child would become like the therapist for the parents mediating and all of that that makes sense so that's an example of parentification i bring that up because you know again it like it kind of highlights to me this um pattern i guess you could call it of parents not having friendships that they can feel comfortable being vulnerable Mm -hmm. being themselves they don't have their own friendships therefore they don't understand the significance of what it can give you therefore they don't see that it's something that a child really does need because they don't they haven't really experienced that And even if they have experienced it, even if they have, most of them, assuming they're the ones who, you know, like immigrated here, they've left them behind back home. 
maybe they'll see them occasionally. Like, for example, my parents, when they were still living here, now they're in India, of course, but when they were still living here, they saw their childhood friends, like, maybe once a year if they were lucky. If not, like, they would go a couple of years without seeing them. They spent more time around other family members, right? So, like, it's hard for them to grasp the importance of what friendships can play a part in your day-to-day life if they don't really experience that in their own lives. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. (sighs) But anyways, I guess this is all to say growing up, it's been hard to hear these phrases. But now as an adult, you can kind of get an understanding. And I do have a question for you at the end. I want you to think about it, answer maybe later after your story. Okay. But I'm curious, like, what would you do? If you chose to have a child or if you were like an aunt, would Mm -hmm. you encourage the child to go for sleepovers, spend, you know, time with their Mm -hmm. friendships growing up? Or would you now knowing what you know, also emphasize more family? Maybe you'll be more like willing, but like, would you still emphasize more family or would you be like, eh, you decide, be safe? Something to think about. I think... Yeah, you know, like my initial reaction is kind of like that's a really good question and it's tough because it's like what was drilled into my head growing up versus like now that I've gone to school and now we're discussing and having educated conversations is a challenge, like they're challenging Mm -hmm. each other. And I think kids as young as three or four years old can understand concepts Mm -hmm. when it's explained in a developmentally appropriate way. Mm-hmm. And so equipping the child with tools, teaching them signs of danger, teaching them when to speak mm-hmm. up and how to speak up, and equipping them with all of that, it would be my first step before mm-hmm. even letting them kind of go yeah. off venture. Because at the end of the day, you can't control what happens to a child. You know, you're mm-hmm. not, I guess in the beginning, I'm not a mother, so I can't speak for mothers and families, but yeah. I'm sure like in the beginning, yes, you're with your child all the time, but then, you know, eventually a child goes to daycare or school, right? Like you're not right, right. always 100% every single second of the day with your child. Right. So you can't control exactly what happens around your child all the time. Right. You can be yeah. as careful as possible. You can interview the daycare staff. You can interview mm-hmm. your nanny. You can interview all these things. You can make mm-hmm. sure your family members that are with your child are trusted, trusted right? But at the end of the day, you you, you don't have control 100%. And so, but you do have control on how you raise your child and how you empower them and how you equip them with those tools and educate them. Yeah. So that would kind of be my like first thought would be like, how can I prepare this child? Mm-hmm. Not to like scare them, but like teach them like, oh, safety. Something yeah. like this happens. Like this is what you do. This yeah. is how you speak up. And then when it comes to like the your part of the question about friends versus family, I think – it's important to have a balance. Mm. And so yeah. teaching them on how to balance. Like, yes, it's okay to prioritize friends, but it's also important to prioritize family. So how are you going to balance the two? Yeah. And how, again, teaching on how to choose friends that are trusting, that are worth being prioritized, empowering right. them with that as well. Yeah. Which is, I, I mean, that. that's, that's a hard thing to do because I don't know about you, but like I think back and – I had not 
that great of a track record for friendships because I was like a doormat. I would be walked over sometimes and I was overly trusting and friendly. So like that's a hard thing to do sometimes, but I don't know. I Again, like you said, right? I'm not a mom. I haven't tried to mold anyone into learning how to find the right friends. Maybe it's possible. I hope it is. And like you said, like, that's not your fault, right? Like your tracker, whatever it is, like with friendships, your history with friendships, like like trusting real, true friendships was never modeled for you. That's true. Right? And yeah. so you didn't know where to start. You just mm-hmm. did what you knew, which was what? You learned you along the way. No household. blueprint. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that, I feel like that's not t- like atypical. I'm sure, like my experience is like that too. Like yeah. friendships were not modeled for me. Like I had to start from yeah. ground zero too. Yeah. And so I think it's important to remember that because, again, no matter what it is that happened in the past, like you have to give yourself grace, right? (laughs) So it's important. (laughs) But you're right. Like teaching kids on how to choose friends, like that's not really like something that you can just teach. It's like, you know, having those guided conversations, doing like when they have interactions with their friends reflecting like which ones you know which interactions were good which interactions were not so good and why were they not so good Hmm. so developmentally speaking what age do you think kids are like able to handle those kinds of conversations understand and like implement those things it's really tough because in my line of work I do teaching and education, but not about that, like safety, well, safety yeah. but like not in that context, but more like in a sure. healthcare context. Mm-hmm. But I would say I do teaching and education with kids as young as two, two oh, and wow. a half, okay. three. Yeah. Whether that's yeah. teaching through play, like if it's something really basic concept, I'm teaching mm. through play or I'm teaching through using very basic words, basic explanations, like very simple and honest explanations. Yeah. So that's just from my experience, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the research shows, but I could say like, you know, as in our, in my practice, kids is for sure, like I know I've studied this is that kids as young as three years old can understand concepts, like different types of concepts that might think that adults might think are too abstract for the child. But Mm. if it's broken down conceptually, concretely, and, you know, simple and explain it simply and honestly, like kids are able yeah. to understand they're capable. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think mm-hmm. something that maybe is like really under ooh, underestimated is particularly like modeling. Mm-hmm. Modeling behavior goes such a long yeah. way because modeling is how we normalize as children what is normal, what is the baseline. It's mm-hmm. what we see our parents do and say. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, genuinely, like, even if they're not consciously perhaps um, understanding, I I bet that subconsciously they're really picking up on that too, even really young, maybe younger than three. I don't know if that's research-based, but a thought. (laughs) No, it's it's a good thought. It's really interesting. I completely agree. Observational learning modeling is a very, very simple concept, but kids do learn that way too. I agree. Mm -hmm. I feel like adults model for each other too, right? Like, yeah. So, and imagine how much more impressionable a child is, like almost like a blank slate, right? So, yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways, okay, I want to hear a little bit about your story then. Okay. So, 
when I I was kind of when I was thinking about this topic, I was kind of like mm-hmm. not only like friends versus family, like how I've experienced that. You know, family is it needs to be more prioritized than friends, like that concept in, in my childhood mm-hmm. and currently too. Yeah. But also like how it's impacted me and my friendships. Oh, yeah, I like that. Okay. Yes. So you know, I feel like this topic is something that we did mention previously, you know, in our podcast about how South Asian family values are all about the close tight-knit, tight-knit, tight-knit families, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the family, vi- yeah. family values, family values that are very, very family-oriented. Family mm-hmm. And, you know, similar to you, I had some extended family growing up as well around me. So we're, you know, till this day too, we're pretty close. We're pretty tight-knit. I would say extended and immediate. But I would say when it comes to this topic, like friends versus family, my immediate family has more had more of an influence on me when mm-hmm. it came to this. Of course, right? Because yeah. our parents were the ones that made our decisions on whether we are able right. to spend time with our friends or not. Right. And I would say that this, thinking back, this has played out many times in my life. I resonated with what you shared about your experience, you know, begging to go to the sleepover or begging to spend time with a friend. I feel like that's something I did too. And, you know, even though friendships weren't really modeled for me either, my parents also immigrated to the U.S. And I agree, like, you know, from the trauma, traumatic experiences that they had growing up and then trauma from like leaving everything behind and immigrating and then maybe not having the best like welcoming experience. And then they, my parents also started out very secluded from the rest of the family. Like my parents mm-hmm. moved to like or in New York and the rest of my extended family was in Texas. And so they were really alone and isolated yeah. too. And I think that played a role too. And not having that the best welcome experience, I'm sure, kind of created the shield for them where they were like, mm-hmm. we're our, we're, our, we're on our own completely. And this is how we need right. to survive. And kind of they're in that survival cycle. And it's kind of like has passed on to me, I feel. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, growing up, I was fortunate enough to make friends, right, throughout my life, being given so many opportunities to make friends through school, through extracurriculars. I feel like I always was in a constant battle with pleasing my parents and pleasing my friends. And I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. still in that battle a little bit sometimes. Like in the westernized Mm -hmm. world, we see friends joining family trips, family events, family dinners. But I feel like that's not something – that's not a reflection of how I grew up and how my family valued all these things like the trips and dinners. It was very private. It was very like Mm -hmm. it's only us. Even if like mentioned like, oh, I'm going to bring my friend to this event. Like it was just like, what do you mean? You know? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. What is that? And another thing that really sticks out to my – in my mind when I'm thinking about this is like if I ever confided with into my my friends about what was happening at home like personal family matters mm-hmm. and yeah. if my parents found out about it like they would get really oh, really upset oh yeah like if I shared too much beach details and I think it goes back to that not being trusting with others yeah. that are not family yeah right and so I remember like you know, the teenage arguments of going back and forth with my mom and I would be like standing up for my friends a lot and my parents would like be doubting them. And sometimes yeah. it would like for the most part, it would be like for no reason at all. Like I wouldn't understand like why are you doubting mm-hmm. this friend? Why are you – why do you yeah. think this friend is going to tell the rest of the world like I trust them Then you should trust mm-hmm. them too? And they didn't understand that. Right. 
And so like one time when I was in high school, I had a really good friend at that time. And I remember my parents being constantly skeptical of her. Always, mm-hmm. always being like, mm, like, you know, and I get it. Like sometimes parents have intuition, but it didn't yeah. feel like in this case, you know, because there was literally no reason at all that this friend gave me like any secret I shared. It was always with her, like any mm-hmm. thing I told her, she always respected my privacy, always respected me, always respected my family. They were so hesitant to the point they would try to convince me to not mm-hmm. trust her like by sharing making up stories or making up different things and it was like mm-hmm. it was almost like a defense mechanism for them that me yeah. trusting another person outside the household is threatening them right and right. that was just again like what you said it's a huge responsibility to bear like why yeah. why do i bear the responsibility of making them feel vulnerable because that's not yeah. fair mhm cuz um, you're right cuz it's like a it's a them feeling because there's no evidence, right? So at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's them feeling that vulnerability and like that inability to trust. Mm-hmm. It's about their experience, their trauma, not necessarily based on the reality of whoever this person was and like what she yeah. was or wasn't doing. But it's a lot to ask of, you know, a young teenage you to be like, okay, but you're in charge of them not feeling vulnerable. You're in charge of them not feeling yeah scared because that's not something yeah. you can control really that's based yeah. on their experience their thoughts yeah and it was just like always drilled into my head like constant mm. conversations don't trust anyone michelle you can't trust anyone you can't trust anyone like it was so drilled to the point where it like started like kind of impo- impacting me and how i thought about my yeah. friends and you know mm. that's something that i'm struggling with till this day too like sometimes if i'm sharing very something very close or personal to me like I sometimes have to think twice about it or fight that like mm-hmm. saying that my mom is saying over and over again like you can't trust anyone because you can't right. right not everyone is going to betray you and I get it like they also had a lot of traumatic experiences where they did encounter yeah. friends they did encounter people yeah. that they thought they trusted that went behind their backs right sure. they lost friends you know there's just so many like even family yeah. sometimes they felt like was, wasn't the most trusting either. So like but for people who didn't even sometimes feel like their own family could be trusted, like how can we trust like friends? You know, mm-hmm. it was like that mentality. Of course. Um, and, you know, I when you mentioned that example of like trying to convince your mom, your parents to like go to someone's house or sleep over, like I remember doing that with my friends. And maybe you were part of this too. Like we would like, plot like oh when are we gonna ask <laughs> they have to be in a good mood okay and yeah what's, what's exactly. what are we like we have to prepare all the answers to all the questions what are we going to be doing how long are we going to oh be doing gosh, it yeah. where are we going if we're going anywhere else who else is going to be there what time mm. to what time like all the little details and again yeah you had to have a battle plan and you had to know yes. all the details so they yes. knew all the details exactly oh yeah and exhausting that's so exhausting yes like for a little like a little teenager thinking about it all is. these things just to like yeah. convince and I get it like what you said I'm sure it has to do with safety concerns too and like now that I'm an adult and grown like I get like the concerns that my parents had about going out yeah. you know or or being around people that they don't trust or being at someone's house that they don't know and they don't trust so I get yeah. that um but it was that. Like it was just like a battle I felt like. I was always yeah. like tiptoeing around this idea. Yeah. And um, 
I don't I, you I know, do remember that now that you're saying that like I'm yeah. almost remembering like yeah I had to do that too yeah <laughs> you know yeah. you had to get creative and I and I know <laughs> I shall not name names but I know like some people would like you know like sneak out because I mean that's what mm-hmm. happens right you hold a too tight of a fist mm-hmm. people are going to get creative in attempting to fulfill the basic needs and wants that they have mm-hmm. and I did that once <laughs> <laughs> I was I had way too much fear to ever really toe a line outside. <laughs> I had way I'm too not, much fear. Yeah. I'm not proud of but it. I, but <laughs> hey, it's an interesting story to tell now. It's fine. It yes, happened once. Yeah. It's okay. Interesting yes, story. You're but, safe now. All that matters. Yes. <laughs> yes. But don't no try this at home, kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's you're right. Like it's, it was exhausting, but I think yeah. like the biggest thing was like the impact it had on how I viewed yeah. my own friends and how I still sometimes right. view my own friends that I'm yeah. overcoming. It's like right. challenging because it was a constant idea that was drilled into me. And like yeah. we talked about, it wasn't modeled, right? Like mm-hmm. my parents yeah. do have close friends right now, but it's mm-hmm. not the way I would treat, like I treat my close friends right now. Like it's mm-hmm. just very, very like social, like, you know, they're mm-hmm. at their place of prayer and they're socializing. Mm-hmm. Maybe occasionally once a year going out to eat together, very rarely. Right. Yeah. Um, but like one of my mom's like really, really, like I would consider like her, my, my mom's like best friend. Um, she is like the best friend ever to my mom, like unconditional love, like doesn't expect anything in return, always like caring yeah. about my mom and us and like the family, always asking about us. Shout out to Maren team. I love her so much. <laughs> and like, like that's a true friend. I see it, you know, and I tell my yeah. mom like, I love Maren team. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want you to spend more time with her, you know, like, <laughs> but like, you know, my mom, like I, I can see and understand why they're like stuck in that like mm-hmm. cycle of like distrust. And it's hard to see, especially because like, I am – I get to experience that love and that friendship and that trust, right? And so I want my mom to feel that way too and yeah. experience that yeah. too. But yeah. when it comes to me and like setting those boundaries with my family, you know, now that I'm grown and, you know, I'm on my own and when I am communicating that, oh, I have this plans with my friends or I have this, mm-hmm. I still sometimes get that long list of questions even at this age, grown, grown adult, <laughs> right. almost 30, right? Like, Oh, yeah. But I can see, like, you know, they're starting to respect my choice to prioritize mm-hmm. my friends too, which is good, yeah. but it's always not perfect. And um, it's, a, it's a good starting point. It's a good, like, having some progress. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> really, well, progress over perfection. Yeah. Like, like very recently, <laughs> like, within uh-huh. the last year, I told my mom, like, I'm visiting a friend and yeah. to, like, out of town. Like, I'm going out of uh-huh. town to visit a friend. And she uh-huh. was, like, questioning, like, why am I going – what for? Is there another reason I'm going? Like, why? She couldn't understand. Right. Like, I'm only going Just there to, visit, to see yeah. my friend. And that was so mm. interesting to me, right? Yeah. Like, how they view friends and how we view friends is so different. So different. Mm-hmm. So different. Yeah. I've – like I said, right? Like, I've never seen anybody of the previous generation in my family visit – Mm-hmm. to visit spend mm-hmm. time to spend time it's usually like well we're Paired already here so <laughs> yeah. we'll just go ahead and meet you too yeah. we'll just smush it together <laughs> yeah. it's definitely like i think our generation is like 
different about the way that we see friends, the, the value of friendship. It's just different. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of like my story that, and my experience with this topic. That really resonates <laughs> though. Like I, I totally yeah. agree with everything you're saying too. Like I've experienced that. See, this is why I wanted to talk about this topic. <laughs> There's no research, but it's clearly very universal thing still. It's very real. It it's very cultural. It really is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong inherently with wanting to prioritize family. But I think those kind of rhetoric can get really icky and heavy mm -hmm. because yeah. there's going to be some families where for whatever reason, that person might not want to spend as much time with their family. Yeah, Maybe their family doesn't give them good, happy vibes more often than not. Mm -hmm. Maybe that family doesn't feel safe for them. And this kind of continuing rhetoric of like, even in our generation, you know, the idea of like, yeah, but family is important. We should spend time with family. I don't love that because I think that each person can decide for themselves how much mm -hmm. time they want to spend with family exactly. and how much time they want to spend with their chosen family, their friendships. Because the thing is, family, like blood family, <laughs> we're kind of stuck with them. We don't get to choose them. Mm -hmm. They're ours by blood. But our friends, we get to choose them. We get exactly. to choose this group of people that we can call our family too. Family. Exactly. Family. And they're going to be so much more, um, what's the word? So much more open to really like seeing the authentic you. So much more open to, you know, you feeling seen, heard, mm -hmm. yeah. loved because you both, like the friend and you, have to choose every single day to be a good friend, to show exactly. up for one another. Exactly. And it's not the same necessarily with family. Family's going to always be there. Mm -hmm. You're tied by blood. So exactly. I don't know. I think that we can kind of retire this idea that family is forever and family needs to be prioritized over friendship. I think it can be prioritized if that's what you want, each individual. I don't know. 100%. I feel I like, agree. yeah. Like we don't, <laughs> there, there's just, it seems like there's a pressure and it shouldn't be there. Yeah. It goes back yeah, to that like pleasing. Like expectation. Need to family. Expectation mm -hmm. and responsibility. It's your, your, right. Your responsibility. Exactly. Mm -hmm. To please your family over your friends. And not yeah. to say, like you said, right? Like, you should be able to feel comfortable to choose who you want to spend time yeah. with because at the end of the day, your time is worthy and yeah. you get to decide. You should be able to exactly. decide who you get to spend that time with. Exactly. And honestly, like if family showed up in the way that felt loving and accepting, of course, they're going to choose to mm -hmm. create lots of space for family. Yeah. But guess what? If family does not show up to be accepting and to be loving and to be primarily a nice, fun, safe time and less often like hardships that come with any relationship. Yes. Well, then they're allowed to not choose that. Right. So you have nothing to fear. Family in general, PSA, right? You have nothing to fear. Just be loving and accepting and people will choose families. We don't need to push down everyone's throat this agenda that no, 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 but you have to no matter what. No, it's not no matter what, though. 
And it's not what you said earlier too in today's podcast about when a a child becomes like the parentification, right? Becomes the kind of mediator, the therapist for the parents because they don't have that outside support to that cycle of like not wanting to have friends, Mm -hmm. not trusting other people outside the family, that mindset, Mm -hmm. that idea that it, like that cycle can continue, right? Like that person, that child who did grow up in the westernized world and did was surrounded by friends and was making trustworthy friends and wanted to spend time with, but mm-hmm. that cycle, like one, but because of being parentified, if that's a word, and like being the therapist, wants to confide <laughs> in their own friends, yeah. but feels guilty about it because yeah. the idea of you can't trust anybody else but your family is always drilled. Right. So it's like you're stuck Absolutely. in that cycle that you're – Yes, you you become the, the punching bag for your family that's having issues in the household and mm-hmm. then you can't take that anywhere else with you because you're, yeah. you, you were told not to. You're told oh, that you 100%. Can't Absolutely. And as you were saying that, I had a flashback. When I first started therapy back in college – Mm-hmm. I had so much guilt, shame, and fear about – I mean, it was, most of it was just about me, but even, like, parts of it, obviously, that because I'm so integrated in my family, like, were about my family. Like, I felt so much fear being able to talk about it and, like, what would the consequences be? Like, would they do anything? Is this really confidential? Yeah. Would my mom find out? Would my dad find out? Yeah. Like, what would happen if I said anything that maybe is not okay and, like – yeah. There's just so much fear around it because it's just so drilled into you that family stuff stays within the family, doesn't leave outside this family. Yeah. But if there's like why the secrecy though? Like if mm-hmm. there's if we're not doing anything wrong, there's no reason for secrecy. If we're doing something wrong, then yeah, okay, I get it. You want to keep it secret. Mm-hmm. And that's when it shouldn't be a secret, right? So But it's a trust like nobody yeah. wants like the South Asian, like we don't want even anyone to know like the good things are happening because we don't want anybody's bad intentions. Evil eye or – Right? Yeah, like there's just exactly. – Exactly. Just keep going that list. Like we can't trust anyone. That nobody, Not everyone mm. has the best intentions for us. Like all oh, of that. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean when it's I visit back home, you know, into India and like maybe other South Asian countries are like this too. Like the culture there is a little bit different, right? There's a li- mm-hmm. It's a little bit more like gossipy, a little bit more like everybody's in your face, everybody's in your business. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I get it. Like – They are so traumatized by that experience that they're applying what they know here. Here, because that's all they know. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we we can do better. We can do differently. But we know differently. We see differently. And we can experience differently. And we can trust ourselves. Yes. Trust our friends. Be vulnerable. Because when we do, we have the – possibility to create like wonderful amazing friendships just like your mom has you know that her best friend (laughs) yeah exactly I love her so much (laughs) (laughs) I love that almost like you want to be her best friend now don't you (laughs) (laughs) no I just love that for my mom it makes me happy that she has someone so special and so loving yeah that she's taken care of a good Mm -hmm. friend is just amazing like mm-hmm. you already know I love 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 you and you're such an amazing friend. Love you. Hearts. So much. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes all the difference. Even yeah. cuz like you know like before the podcast like we we weren't necessarily talking like every single day like every week even. Mm-hmm. But like 
it's just like a security blanket, like a comfort. I know you're there if I ever need you. No, I know you've same. got my back. I know that you're loving and like, oh my gosh, I cannot say enough amazing things about your soul. <laughs> you're just such a pure, amazing, sweet, kind, authentic oh, soul and say that uplifting. About you. I love you so much. <laughs> so okay, I don't know if our audience wants to hear us just like love on each other, but. <laughs> yes, two friends are real. <laughs> I love you. Love you. But yeah, you know, so family is forever. Yes. That can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. Friends might not be forever. Also true. Doesn't mean we don't need to prioritize them. 100%. <laughs> All right. Shall we? Clearly. Oh. No, I what was that? It clearly and loudly. I loved it. Exactly. It's a good summary. <laughs> yes. So you want to see us out? <laughs> yes. We really appreciate you all being here and listening and watching maybe too. And we would love to hear your thoughts about this podcast. You can reach us by emailing us at talksouthasiantome at gmail.com or any of our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And our handles are at talksouthasiantome. So yeah, and if, if you guys have any thoughts on – sleepovers no sleepovers for your future generations i'm all curious all ears (laughs) yes we would love to hear it maybe you answering the question that anusha asked earlier all right all righty bye you guys bye everyone